Today we are here again with Marlo's Conversations with Friends. And I am joined today by a really dear friend of mine, Lindsay Stick, who I fondly still call Des. And Lindsay and I have known each other a really long time because we came from the salon and spa world and Lindsay is still there. And today's chat that we're going to be having is around something that I full on believe in, but it is Lindsay's vision for her company, which she'll talk about in just a little bit, which is that beauty is an energy. And we'll dive a little further into it. Lindsay is a hairdresser and a phenomenal one at that. Uh, Lindsay was on my team for a long time and has helped me in many ways uh, on my journey and my path and I'm honored to have her here with me today. We have been through a lot together I think and I look forward to going through a lot more together Um, and as uh, we go with Marlo's Conversations with Friends. They are designed to be chats around well-being topics. Those well-being topics for me focus on kind of a broad spectrum, but it is not just about our physical well-being, meaning what we eat or what we nourish ourselves with. Well-being to me is our frame of mind. It is the energy with which we operate our day-to-day rituals by. It is how we project ourselves out there to other people and in our relationships. It's how we actually have conversations with individuals, the well-being we have with our community and how we create a support system and then how we create well-being around our environment. So I want to get started with my conversation with Lindsay today around beauty is an energy. So welcome, Lindsay. Wow. Thank you. That was um, really, really a very kind introduction. So I feel feel a little touched to start things off. Thanks, Marlo. I'm really excited to be here. I love podcasts. So I'm I'm slow. I'm new. I'm I'm newer to it. I I only got started. I think it was last year, maybe the year before. And I had started with Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. Not haven't given that a spin. I bet it's great. I love him. Wow, I was obsessed with him, and then I thought, okay, well, if I'm obsessed with this one, I have to go out and find all my my network of you know folks that I have been following for many yeah. years through their books or through their websites. I'm like, I'm sure they have something out there. So then I just got sucked in and I don't have a ton because I feel like it's a rabbit hole. And yeah, agreed. Not, not a bad Thanks. one, but you know, um, this will be a podcast actually. So yeah. yeah, good. I mean, I think what's great about it is, and you were saying, you, you don't want too many because one of the things that I have tried to think about in recent years is not always being a consumer. I mean, we think about that when we think about like retail and um, 
but even just in general, like my, my energy, you were using that word earlier, my behavior in a day, it's like, sometimes I have to be a consumer, sometimes I have to be a producer, and maybe sometimes being neither is good. Mm-hmm. So I love, I could listen to, po- I could spend whole days <laughs> I know. listening to podcasts for sure. Just walking around with my earbuds in, mm-hmm. but I do, I keep a pretty short list. And then I also, I don't know if you're this way, but then I feel like I have to complete the podcast. Like, oh, I got to listen to everyone or it's like not done. Somehow. Well, I can't, well, the episode, yes, I have to finish the episode, but I don't, I will... I'll only do one at a time unless it's a pod, unless it's an episode that's maybe like 40 minutes long and I happen to be out on a long walk or I happen to be making that drive to Wisconsin like I normally do. Mm-hmm. Then, I, then I'll do some back-to-backs, but otherwise, and sometimes because of content um, that I'm listening to, sometimes I'm, I get to a point where I'm like, enough. I need to just sing my heart out right now and I need to mm-hmm. plug in music and just shout like sing I need a completely different energy right now in my head so uh, yeah I need to remember that yeah yeah (laughs) I don't do enough of that anymore singing my heart out yeah well I I would think that B might be able to help you with that she helps we're getting we're getting deep into uh Disney like love for Disney soundtracks and I love it because a lot of times she'll appreciate like she just watched Beauty and the Beast for the first time Mm -hmm. the other day Mm -hmm. and she was scared to death of it which when I was watching her watch it yeah and I was like yeah this is completely scary like they're trying to kill this beast and right but she loves the soundtrack um so I do I do get that I do get to sing Disney, which I mean, sometimes she'll accidentally pull a Glee playlist on our Alexa, which uh-huh. is what I woke up to this morning. And those are so great. I've never watched Glee. I've but never I'm watched like, Glee either. Yeah, but they, you know, reprise all of the greatest music hmm. in our history because oh. they do all the Broadway shows. Mm, <laughs> that's true. I'll have to look oh. at that. And then for those of you that are listening, <clears throat> Um, B is Lindsay's three-year-old, is she now? Mm-hmm. 3.5 now. Oh, 3.5. Sorry. Three okay. years, six months, three and a half. Yes. That's a big deal <laughs> when you're a child until you reach whatever age it is we got yeah, to when we were finally like, no, I'm done using the and a half and three quarters <laughs> and almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got an almost right now. Right. I got a 10.9. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right, so let's dive in. I have a, I just wrote down a bunch of questions just to give me some framework, but we're going to wander where we wander. And so where I first want to start with is uh, to get to some foundation. What, what made you start down the path of being a hairdresser and a service provider and to choose to add that as one of the roles in your life? Wow. I, I feel like because I listen to podcasts a lot, sometimes I'll ask myself that question, like, how did I get here? You know, and it easily slips into what it all, what does it all mean? But um, I have a pretty concise story, which um, I, I used to tell, but I graduated from college, which is unusual. That's how I ended up in Milwaukee. So I'm originally from south of Chicago. Mm. And 
I am in the camp of people whose parents didn't want them to go to beauty school, which in all fairness, where I grew up, you know, would have put me at the curl up and die. Mm. So I, I kind of had a really, really, um, a really shallow and narrow perspective when I was a kid. And so I didn't know that the fashion industry was a thing. I didn't know that art could be a job. These are things I appreciated and maybe experienced on really superficial levels, but didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then conversely though, I was the kid from a very young age, cutting off all my Barbie's hair and mm-hmm. Reynolds wrapping my cousin's hair in the bathroom and painting <laughs> highlights. So yeah. True. I don't even know how I knew to do that because I had never had my hair foiled. But um, sounds like me with my bottle of hydrogen peroxide and water. Yes, I summer. (laughs) You're yeah, I did that too. Right. Mm -hmm. It was sitting right next to my bottle of iodine and baby oil. Yep. Which (laughs) most of you who are listening to this cannot see me. But Marlo can attest to the fact that that was not a good idea for me and my skin. Um, and so I went, I graduated from Marquette and I don't even know how, but it, it was okay. I mean, I did pretty well and I graduated in communications with a minor. And so my first job was in training and development. So I did get some good perspective. I wasn't totally off track. I figured out, you know, I was a good public speaker and I liked that piece. But once I started doing that job, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm teaching. I don't know anything about this. I was working in hotels. So I tried some nonprofit work and different things. And then I got married. And so my income was no longer essential. And of course, I was lamenting my dramatic circumstance to my hairdresser, um, who had suggested maybe I go to aesthetic school. And it was as if I forgot. And I literally sitting in his chair was like, wait, I always wanted to go to beauty school. I remember. Mm. Mm. And I got up. And I had my first cell phone and I called the Institute of Beauty and Wellness from my car Wow! and enrolled and had the most amazing teacher for the first few months who was like old guard, very serious, very intense woman. Who was it? Um, her name, um, I can't remember her last name, but her first name was Mary Jane Oh. and she went by MJ. I remember her. Yeah, I bet you two were um, Mm -hmm. quite a pair in a room if Mm -hmm. that ever happened. Mm -hmm. She, yeah, she was very, very intense. And then she passed away from cancer Mm -hmm. during my time there. Um, So thankfully, you know, I went to a great school and that, I mean, immediately blew the doors off what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking I was going to become as a result of this. My biggest concern was how do you stand behind a single chair in one place all day? Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't understand how you do that. Um, I I know because I have to move, you know, me, like I can't still. So, um, but at that point in time realized, 
you know, it was going to be better than sitting at a desk with a computer mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then I, I got exposed to fashion and I mean, just all of it. And I was like, you know, oh my gosh, I've, I found my home. Like mm-hmm. I just, I could cry talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. this is where I belong. This is my people. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience. And did you know then uh, what you experience now, which is, did you always yeah. Did you know then, and did you feel then what you experience now, which is that beauty is an energy? Did you always feel that way? Or did you come at it? Did that come to you later? I mean, I can't pretend that I knew it in a way that I could have conceived or spoken about. Mm-hmm. But I think... And and when I say this, that I embody that, it is not in a, um, not necessarily in a controlled or well-managed way. Mm -hmm. I am a really conceptual person. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, where my brain sort of lives or functions. And so right away, I think I was turned off by the idea that there needed to be this prescription for what is beautiful mm-hmm. um, and and so I have always enjoyed from the very beginning working with people who didn't like the way that they looked or I mean as a hairdresser you experience some really vulnerable moments like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. clients who can't look at themselves in the mirror mm. when they're sitting getting their hair done And I can tell you too, what's so amazing is working with someone and watching that change. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now and, and being able to witness people, you know, even if it's just superficially find a level of self-love, um, it's very powerful and Mm -hmm. very, um, you know, I mean, it's yeah it's very powerful so I don't I certainly had no idea I mean none of it I didn't understand wellness you know I would say when I went to beauty school I was getting you know about a d in (laughs) self-care and and uh and a zero in wellness um when I started on day one and I was a completely different person. I mean, I looked completely different. I was, um, and I, I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like that person's totally gone, you know, it's been an evolution, but, um, I didn't, I didn't know about that level of living, Mm -hmm. you know, that I didn't know about that plane. I had no exposure to that. My only exposure would have been, um, religion, which, Mm -hmm a few years before that I had started to come away from that Mm -hmm. so I had no spiritual practice at that time really little exposure to wellness I myself was doing things like journaling my food with calorie counts um, you know in a really critical manner and so I can say I, I think maybe what I could say is I felt it or noticed it 
but really didn't have like any kind of an awareness about what that was. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sidestep for a second because I want to introduce to people who are listening you have a your vision and so Lindsay has a company called civilian beauty or civilian and i keep adding civilian beauty and grooming to it even though i probably not supposed no, to that's the name it's okay civilian good beauty, grooming and education great good because every time you know i look me, at like it i like a lot of names I yeah gotta, well gotta have an ampersand in there welcome to the party <laughs> thanks to <laughs> so uh when i asked Lindsay to put together um, what our topic was going to be about, because I wanted to make sure I had a full picture. Lindsay sent to me her vision statement for her company. And so I want to read it to you uh, because then it will lead me into where I want to go in our conversation. So your vision for civilian beauty and grooming and education is at civilian, we believe beauty is an energy that all people are beautiful. We believe in acceptance, kindness, tolerance, and understanding. We believe in the craft, in taking time to make things better, and that you deserve to love your hair and yourself. We believe in the good of things in unity, and mostly we believe that beautiful hair is only a part of what we do, and that beauty is energy. Um, which is a beautiful statement. I read it quite a few times and I, kudos to you. I can tell the time you took to really think about how you wanted to articulate what you see for your company. And I admire that. Thank you. Thanks. I did take a lot of time to do that. And it was nice hearing it read back to me. I've never heard someone say it out loud. Oh, really? That cool. Yeah. And I really liked it. So that's good. Well, if you need me to do a little recording for you, you can just like, you know, to post on your website or on your, you know, here's the audio. I should have you do that. You're good at that. Good at um, so what is it that, you know, because as you move through your path, you and I came together at your very, at your beginnings. Um, and uh, you were on my team uh, when I was at Aveda Corporation, I had, you were one of my cutting and styling trainers, uh, one of my top ones. And so through that path, and as you got more advanced in your craft, experienced more things, both personally and professionally, where was it along the path that you really started to see how much you enjoy and love about enha enhancing another person's beauty, not just their hairstyle? I think, you know, as, so I started educating really early on, mm -hmm. obviously because I don't even think it was because I had a degree in that but more so because the organization I was working for was growing rapidly at that time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I started in at, you know, kind of after you could say like the first third and, you know, they're just, all of the hairdressers were sort of at the same tier. So 
they were looking for people to grow and, and become more senior. And I stepped into that. Plus, I think because I was older, that helped and I had a little different perspective. But, um, and when I say older, you know, like 26. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember at the time. In, right. But in hairdressing, you're World. like ancient, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but you have to hear yourself talk out loud. And then you, you, that resonates. And I think for me, I'm a person that is really deeply connected to my beliefs, whatever they are, and whatever I align myself with. I've always been that way. I'm a little bit all or none in Mm -hmm. certain ways, or, you know, even in a negative way, I can go too far sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then, of course, when you're become like when you're stepping into the role of mentorship and and on some level of leadership, you're 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 not using your own voice in the beginning, right? Because right. you you've taken on whoever you're mentoring or leading for, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, I still say that today. You use someone else's voice until you find your own. Mm-hmm. And I think it was about the halfway point. So it was probably um maybe eight years ago I did an interview for a magazine and it was one of those moments you know where they were kind of asking me similar questions to what you're asking or I made a I think I made a statement um for the magazine it was maybe written and that was like out came beauty is an energy and I don't remember the whole statement mm-hmm. but I remember all along the way teaching things like leave your personal life at the door when you come to work. And, and especially in the beginning, I was a very negative person. I had a really negative affect, very serious, um, Mm -hmm. very aloof, I would say. And as I started to warm up and change the way that I was interacting with the world around me, I found some of these sort of prescriptions for what it meant to be a great hairdresser just can we swear is it cool if yes, we swear yes totally okay. <laughs> okay i mean That's, coming from those are the kind of okay those are the kind of friends i keep okay <laughs> come on <laughs> come on Des. you know me like better. there should be an asterisk next to friends yeah. um yes but i just found it to be bullshit like yeah. no one here is leaving their personal life at the door I don't think clients really want you to leave your personal life at the door. And so I started really buying into this idea that I was doing something more than just hair. Mm -hmm. And I was learning a lot about hair and learning how to cut hair, but slowly starting to realize that this isn't the name of the game for me. This isn't, I don't, you know, because I think in learning, I would do these beautiful haircuts Mm -hmm. and put them on people who just, you know, they didn't feel it. It didn't mm-hmm. matter how great I thought it looked. I mean, I could try and sell somebody on something or I could try and force somebody on some something on someone easily and just say, this looks great and I'm the hairdresser and I win. Right. right. Um, and neither of those things were really working. And so I started to make the decision that my primary job when I was behind the chair was to just witness people, to hear them. And Mm -hmm. it really didn't matter if I was even 
cutting their hair. I mean, there were times where I felt like, and even still feel like I'm not like, I'm just taking off. It's like an air cut. That's the, there was a trainer once who used that term, you know, you're barely cutting any hair. Right, right, right. But um, you're connecting with them and they're being heard. Um, And I just decided that I was going to reject all of these other notions. And so it's kind of funny because I think the idea of beauty is an energy for me and what it means to me is almost in a weird way, my rebellion against this industry at, mm. at large. Um, it, Cause I think it was kind of born from things, some things that I liked that I saw, but also some things that I really didn't like that I saw really, really painful things. Um, and so did that answer your question? Yeah, no, I mean, I was thinking I have, I have a lot of similar thoughts around or feelings and, and, uh, strong opinions about beauty itself, which maybe I'll ask this question and come back to another one. Um, and it's for me, um, beauty has become such a thing of vanity Mm -hmm. and uh i speak about uh, manufactured reality that is put up on social media and that term manufactured Mm -hmm. reality i take from dr shirley turkle who i got introduced to her work on a good handful of years ago and she talks about and i echo this very much because i was already well aware of it um that we only put up what's pretty we only put up what's nice Mm. and i have for a very for my whole adult life i have struggled with the word what beautiful is on a woman in particular i mean i see it in men but in a very 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 different way but in women you know, for all of eternity, there has been this projection of what beautiful is supposed to look like. And, and it has only gotten worse from my perspective. Uh, Over time, I would say for sure, when Hollywood came into the picture, Mm -hmm. first movies came into the picture, is where now beauty quote unquote was being projected on a screen and now we had to put ourselves against that and then you get Mm -hmm. into the fashion world and the models and hairdressers and who can make who more beautiful and and it's just for me it it has evolved to such a place that i feel is so far removed from what true beauty is I, i see it as an art i see the art i see that the image is beautiful because it I can see the craft into it, but there are so many examples where it's not about an art. It is about um, people really not loving themselves, not really caring mm-hmm. about themselves and making themselves think they have to look like or be like someone who is projected on this screen or out on social media that is so unrealistic that 
causes more pain than anything in most cases. Right. And right. it's so prevalent and I see it still so strongly. And it's something that I've battled with my whole life uh, right. because of the industries that I had been in, in my path from the ballet and dance world and theater world to the modeling world to the salon and spa world for the last 30 years. And it's, uh, it has plagued me always, uh -huh. even though I have very much fought back against it every day, it plagues me. And I um, think about your version of what beauty is and, and looking at the service that you provide to your guests. How do you, how are you helping your guests tap into and embrace their beauty and see it as their true self and see it as an energy that emanates from inside out versus outside in? Ooh, great question. Um, this might have a little bit of a big answer, but that we got I time. Big answers all <laughs> good. good. So you'll you'll re you'll relate to a little bit of this because okay, so this perspective was like born in me. So mm -hmm. I don't I don't remember. Did you grow up Catholic? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, right. So this story will resonate with you. But so I'm like in when do we do our first come or our confirmation like seventh grade right uh, well my confirmation was in high school oh. my you have um you have baptism then you have there's something in the first, uh, communion. first communion is when you're young younger much younger you're in like second grade that was yeah. for me all about yeah. the draft yeah for sure and then mine was the first mine was a little first and the book, I the little I, book. I did get the yeah, you got the book. I remember who I got the book from and I called them by the wrong name mm -hmm. anyway, and I got in trouble, but um, I remember very vividly going into my confirmation and really doubting. You know, I remember them teaching you that this was your, this was your decision. Like mm -hmm. you're sort of stepping into this and owning this. And I was like, well, hey, wait a minute, I'm not sure that this is something that I want to do. And I remember going to the St. Martin's Library upstairs and mm -hmm. all of us opening our books on saints mm -hmm. and we had to choose our saint. And, and I expressed this to my parents, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't think I want to do this. And it was, you know, I think met with some version of laughter, like, yeah, no, this <laughs> yeah. is... I don't know if you know that I grew up Italian. Well, Catholic. I am German and Irish, and yeah, uh, yeah, there, there was no. I'm no. not. I'm laughing in my head listening to your story about how you, what you experienced because I think it's amazing that you actually had enough awareness to know that you didn't want to do it. I was. I didn't have a choice, so I didn't even put any thought into it other than what my name that I wanted to choose was, and you were all smart enough to choose a saint's name i just i was yeah i was thinking it is i i don't even know i don't my dad is kind of rebellious and i think he's a very stuck person i think he was deeply an artist like there's some profound 
characteristic family traits. Not, they're not all good. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. But yeah. Um, yeah. And I have some of the bad ones. Absolutely. But I do have this big mind and I, I was, I was not exposed to the kind of rebellion that I was drawn to. And I can say with all honesty, it, it wasn't just obstinance. It was genuine. And mm -hmm. I know it had something to be with a woman, a, something to do with being a woman mm -hmm. and witnessing oppression and, you know, starting to maybe see like, well, maybe I want to do that. Why can't I drive the backhoe or whatever? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I chose Mary Magdalene as my patron saint. It was my first really great decision of my life. And for those of you who don't know, Mary Magdalene, who is known to be um, like the patron saint of, she's not really a patron saint. I don't know. She was Jesus's best friend and she was also a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And Jesus befriended her and she repented her hook and ways and um, was sort of one of his apostles. And it's said that there is potentially a gospel written by her. Now, none of this I knew at the time. All I knew was she was a prostitute and she became something different. And I just saw right through that, like, A, we can change. B, good things come out of you know, back and then, back then, everything was black and white, white, but yeah. good things come out of bad behavior. Um, there's awareness that can be born out of doing something that you don't feel is good. And there is something profoundly beautiful in that. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is more beautiful than the person who grows up and follows all the rules mm -hmm. and then becomes the saint. Like I want to be the person who takes the long way who takes the adventurous route right. but finds the path and so you know fast forward then to um it was about 10 years ago remember when Cynthia DeSoto wrote that book oh, I was and thinking about her earlier in the conversation because I thought you might bring her up yes when she um beauty Changing the way the world thinks about beauty. Yes, 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 yes. And I saw that presentation about a month or two into my separation, which was moving really quickly. Like I was already well on the path to divorce. I was dating somebody else. Um, and that whole idea of Mary Magdalene and her whole concept was taking you through sort of what I would describe as the ethics of beauty or the principles of beauty and how people, what makes a person feel beautiful. Um, and I found it important because she introduced me to the concept of wabi-sabi, mm -hmm. which I realized was what I had always been drawn to in my life, which is the idea that there's beauty and imperfection. Mm -hmm. And so Mary Magdalene was just the first time of me really noting, noticing this, but you know, like when I was trying my hand at photography, I would love to take pictures of barns that were falling down or, you know, mm -hmm. always loved wilted drying flowers or, you know, things like sure. that. Um, and so that really resonated with me. And, 
and then, so that was what kind of hooked me into her stuff, but she started really talking about these ideas of witnessing, and I had, you know, heard this all before in different venues, a lot of, you know, personal um, therapeutic work and things like that. So your original question is, what do I do to make people feel be beautiful? But really, it's always about just witnessing them mm -hmm. and not judging what they're bringing to the table because it's, it's, it's always imperfect. So mm -hmm. even if it's vanity, even if that's what their, that's their path, mm -hmm. I try to honor that in the most respectful and also in the most sort of connected and authentic way. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is born in the conversation and then the approach that we take. But I kind of, I have these long conversations on the front end and I just really listen for what it is that, that feels important to a person. And then I try to bring that out of them or, you know, input that into their, into their hair, or their style or their aesthetic or whatever they're, we're doing. Mm -hmm. So for some people, it is a great haircut, but for some people, it's about listening to them, you know, talk about, um, their life or mm -hmm. um, a decision that they're struggling with or their affair that they're having that mm -hmm. makes them feel really good and just witnessing them. Or some people it's about making their hair purple and shaving off one side of their head. Um, <laughs> some people it's about making them as authentic as possible, but I try to be the seer mm -hmm. and you know, if they don't see it and mm -hmm. say, here's where I, here's what I see you desiring or um, connecting to, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, do oh. you, I have two quick notes. Um, Mary Magdalene, my high school teacher, <laughs> who, uh, my re high school religion teacher, who I chose to take every one of his class, almost every one of his classes over the course of the four years, because I was in love with him. And, um, oh. <laughs> but he always presented uh, religion in a very realistic way, like a hypothetical way, not, not denouncing or, or discounting what Catholics believe. But what he said about Mary Magdalene one day was that there is absolutely the possibility that they were married. Jesus and Mary, yeah. Jesus and Mary Magdalene got married and, and had kids. And I recall telling my mother that, and I thought she was going to kick me out of the house. Because <laughs> I would always come home because I was such a, that was my way of rebelling was like, let's see how I can stoke the fire. Yeah, um, my husband's like that. But the other was, uh, because I didn't do confirmation until I was in high school, uh, my, there happened to be a TV show on a made for TV movie called Anastasia, the Russian czar. And I was just fascinated with the name Anastasia. And I was like, that's going to be my name. I'm going to pick that. <laughs> and I had no, no background, no clue yeah. about it or anything. I still don't. I never bothered to go research. It wasn't that important to me um, at the time. Now I want to know what she's well, saying. To I'm going to go find out. I'm sure now that this conversation has come up again because I haven't thought about it. But I remember, you know, we had the archbishop 
or who, yeah, an archbishop, you know, who, who takes you through confirmation. It's not your normal pre, not your normal pastor, or at least wasn't in ours. <clears throat> and he said the name wrong. He said Anastasia. And I said, I'm sorry, it's Anastasia. And my mom, you know, of course, we have to always sit in the second pew so she can see that I am saying something back to the archbishop. And she's having a blowing a gasket in the second pew. <laughs> and, you, know, he, you know, and so I correct him and he's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. That's Anastasia. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me. He looked at me with like lasers in his eyes and I was like, I am sorry, but it's my name. You got to say it correctly. Say it correctly. Yeah. Um, no, because I'm sure he was getting your lasers right back. I yeah, have no right. doubt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, I come back and she's like, what did you say to him? Why are you talking back to him? Got into this whole ordeal. But um, just that awareness of <clears throat> saying my name correctly, I've, I've definitely let go, let go of that because people call me a million different things. And, you know, once we get to a specific word that they choose to call me, we have a very different kind of conversation. Um, but you can call me just about anything except you can't call me bitch. When you call me bitch, we're going to have a very different conversation. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about <clears throat> being the seer with your guests and honoring their space, um, what do you do? What does, because some of your words in your vision and, and some of the thoughts you'd sent to me that I fully support uh and have felt from you even in maybe not ha hair services together but just in our service together that we have done our retreats and sessions okay. and stuff when you're helping a guest uh really be in their space and um and not be judged what does a healing and truly connected beautiful service look like walk me through what that experience is as the guest comes in, what is it, what do you create for them? How do you, what is that beauty? What is the energy of beauty that you create? That almost, I assume they would feel it or always know it when they come into your space. It's, it's a different energy. It's a different vibe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, good another you're so good your questions are so good it's I, you know I mean the thing is I love it but I would say it's hard and I would say the answer is maybe unexpected and when I say it's hard it, it doesn't necessarily feel hard to me because I I just it's just how I want to approach it I, I feel like I sort of can't see it any other way but it's about really creating a safe space which can be a really superficial really superficial not experience but on a lot of superficial levels so mm -hmm. i mean first and foremost the space just physically has to be very clean mm -hmm. it's like when i'm trying to meditate you know i mean i know that there's there's an experience where and we you know i think people who do meditate where you're just sitting in the middle of some sort of chaotic space and and clearing that just mentally because mm -hmm. that's all you got mm -hmm. but when someone's paying you you know a, a significant amount of money um i want that to be 
I want the space to be sort of um, tipped in their favor mm -hmm. to be able to do this. And mm -hmm. so the first word that always comes to mind for me is safety. And so, you know, I mean, greeting them with a positive energy, having mm -hmm. excitement to see them, um, clearing the space um, just of the previous experience or even any of my bullshit. I mean, in theory, the best version of that is like you in part of your wellness kit right now, I have sage on my station, so I'll burn that. But of course, then, you know, I've even, I've even done it right before a service and had a guest come in who was immediately offended by that. Mm. So my space doesn't, it's not generic, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I try to make it gentle mm -hmm. um, and clean and open. I try to really clear my space. And then once they come in and I greet them and, you know, we've got kind of a positive exchange. I mean, eye contact, saying their name. So these aren't energetic things, right? Like these are very right. physical, you know, technical approaches. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing that I do is I require a pretty lengthy consultation, mm -hmm. our first couple appointments. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is that I do a consultation with almost every appointment. And right now I don't double book. And sometimes I'm curious if my guests feel like my services take too long because I do open every appointment with questions like, how are you? Or um, how are you doing today? Or how are you feeling today? Mm -hmm. Or um, what's going on with you? Or, mm -hmm. you know, just to really get them to start talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so then that's the next level. I want to know what's going on. And part of that is also technical. I want to know if you're in a place of high anxiety or if you're in a place of low energy. Because what I choose to do with your hair and the responsibility that you have as a client when you leave mm -hmm. is connected to that. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a long consultation. And if I'm introducing this experience to someone, I will say most of this conversation will not sound like we are talking about your hair. We're going to be talking about your life um, and your lifestyle. And just, I just want to hear like if you ask someone, hey, how are you? The first thing that comes out of their mouth is what's on their mind. And that's, that's going to tell you a lot, mm -hmm. right? Like, even if yeah. it's not something very important, it's just where your brain is at, right? where right. their brain is at. Um, so we do that. And then that takes a lot of time. So then the rest of the time is me, you know, doing the dance of of making it great. And then the last thing that I do is I guarantee all my services. So I quote them on the front end, you pay hourly. Mm -hmm. So that way, if you walk out and you feel any level of discomfort, like I'm just not identifying with this, or I don't know how to style it, or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hate it, or I think you've made a mistake. Um, then I immediately invite them back. So I invite them to stay in touch with me 
and with social media, that's so easy because a lot of times people are posting or, you mm -hmm. know, about their hair or I'm posting and they're commenting mm -hmm. um, or we text. Um, so there's, so there's that piece of them just feeling safe when they leave. Like, you know, hopefully there's not the feeling of feeling stuck because you're, as you were saying before, your identity can impact your internal energy so profoundly. Mm -hmm. I have great respect for that. And um, I think the last thing that I try to do and I'm, you know, is really just be mindful about the words that I'm using or the, the, we talk a lot when, when you're doing hair, you know, mm -hmm. we, everyone just chit chats. Um, and so I try to, um, mirror what it is that they're feeling and not push them to be experiencing something different. So if you're sad, you're sad. Mm -hmm. If you're quiet, you're quiet. If you're upbeat, you're upbeat. Um, and so they get the freedom to just be where they need to be while they're in my chair. Hmm. So I like it. It's a beautiful. It's, uh, I, if there wasn't uh, an hour and a half between us, I'd be up seeing you every five weeks. You know that. <laughs> Six weeks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I would love to cut your hair. You have amazing hair. You you will you are on my docket soon enough. I just gotta, but we know that I'm not moving to Wisconsin anytime soon. So I know, no, <laughs> I could um, probably be convinced in a different climate to come down to. I know you could. I go know. to your farmers market. Yes, you could do it right on my porch. I have no doubt about it. <laughs> oh yeah, with the hummingbirds. The hummingbirds. Yes. Um, I had a. Well, I'm going to stay on this for a minute. Um, in the guest experience, I, there was an article posted uh, probably early in the COVID about what does, what does it mean to be touch starved? Because people were so, <clears throat> it probably was about a month into it and people were so not connected physically, not able to connect physically to people, you know, and people didn't really realize how touch starved uh -huh. they are now i mean i and i have two paths to this one is you have people who are used to being who are who are generally outward people and you're hugging you know your friends or obviously your family you shake hands with people this the the facial the just hand on a shoulder greeting someone even at a store you know the simplest things uh people didn't realize how much it was a part of their life how much it changed their energy in and in, in a positive way uh because certainly um they're not going to be starving for negative touch at all and the other piece of it for me was also all the individuals who are so ingrained in technology into this 1D experience. And that's also a topic that has, for me, been a part of my language for many years uh, because it's a lot of what I taught in terms of building relationships with teams and with your guests and with leaders and 
the whole physicality of it. Um, and I still very much speak to that in that the individuals who are so into that 1D experience and <clears throat> are on their phone or device, whatever it is, all the time, that lack of touch made it even worse because mm -hmm. even what little touching that they had could at least create could almost relax their myofascia a little bit as i say because when you're so ingrained in that technology and you have no touch experience um, you also aren't even prepared or even learning how to process emotions properly so you know have your guests felt uh enhanced in a way uh, yeah you know because i know the kind of um you know i know with the aveda training that you had i are you know mine as well are the sensory rituals and, and physically making sure that there is a intentional connection physically with the gas be it through a the scalp massage or just resting your arms forearms on their traps and having them close their eyes and breathe or hand massages or you know whatever so have they responded i mean you can't do that anymore right now oh i do it oh okay good yeah yes you know it's i guess you're saying this i'm like oh all these things i left out i mean i recently transitioned away from aveda a year ago as you know mm -hmm. and one of the hardest things was finding a product line because as you know, mm -hmm. you know, really well and really are the person who taught me, you know, the aroma, the aromatic experience is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, then the products are part of that. Um, but you know, I mean, my first day driving back to work after eight weeks of, or I mean, really 10 weeks of being home mm -hmm. and being home with a three-year-old and being home with my kids. I thought to myself, like, am I, am I going to like this? And I had started off working and posting and being on social media. And I really dialed way back the second half of, of COVID. And so I was, I was really just present and, and, um, you know, like being a hundred percent a mom. And I mean, admittedly, when I got in my car right away, I was so excited because it was just amazing to have quiet for <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> maybe my feelings were jaded a little but just you know because it's chaotic living with a toddler but truly truly right away um people's uh response mm -hmm. and it wasn't over it wasn't like Oh my gosh, you know, because I feel like everyone right now, when you're interacting in person, everyone is cautious. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'm wearing goggles, mm -hmm. I wear a headscarf, I wear a kimono, and I wear a uh, apron. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I and a mask. So right. you can't even see me. I'm like a surgery doctor. Or like right. Surgery. Yeah, I've seen your pictures. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. <laughs> but it's the idea of just, you know, initially before we really knew how this was transmitted, I, I didn't want to, like, again, it comes back to safety for me. Mm -hmm. These are yeah, things yeah. I 
to do. Mm-hmm. And people just felt it wasn't, it wasn't a great haircut. It wasn't a great color. I mean, maybe they were, but no one even really cares because most people are just zooming and wearing their hair in a ponytail or not even putting product in it. Mm-hmm. It was being touched and even more so I would say being heard, being mm-hmm. listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, face to face and not being on Zoom doing it. Right. Right. I think a lot of people had Zoom fatigue. They still do. Well, they still do. And I think that when people are on Zoom, there's a whole different, which is one of the reasons why I chose to keep this strictly audio, even when we record this, not that the people that I, my friends that are doing this for me really are thinking this, but um, there's too much of a uh, self-consciousness when people are on Zoom. Like, is the lighting okay? Well, okay, I'll just, you know, they may not now necessarily. Well, I, I still think they do. Everybody. No, I think they do. You know, is the lighting I mean, okay? I mean, I do. Is my, right. right. Is, the, is my hair okay? Are they looking at my, you know, skin? Uh, do I look tired? Am I fidgeting too much? You know, there's this whole self-consciousness. And, and they're not, they're more distracted on a Zoom call in their head than they mm-hmm. are if they were just on a conference call where they would multitask and actually listen probably better than they are right now. Aside Mm -hmm. from the fact that there's a lot of other, there's some pretty big issues weighing in the back of their head that are distracting you already. So Yeah. It's, I think it's really hard. And I think the technology piece, I mean, I have some clients who, especially the impact with what you're saying, I have noticed, um, especially bad with like quarter year olds, like mm-hmm. people in their twenties, mm-hmm. because you're still building that network. Mm-hmm. So you maybe you maybe aren't friends with your neighbors. Where I know, you know, like that's where I've been getting human contact. Is mm-hmm. I became friends with my neighbors that I, I wasn't friends with before, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe you're you just, I don't know, you're, you're working in technology and you're at this entry level job and you're literally just sitting at a computer all day, like entering data or, I mean, really awful things or people who are nurses and still need to remain quarantined because they work with high risk individuals like infants or elderly, or, I mean, I've, seen a lot of tears in the last couple months I've I had to make a phone call to a friend I had suicide concerns um Mm -hmm. about a client Mm -hmm. so it has definitely been um I mean I have never been more grateful to do the work that I do Mm -hmm. and it has never been harder. The only thing that makes it easy is the way that my business operates right now. I see about the quarter number of guests that I would normally see in a day. I, if I'm doing mostly haircuts, I maybe see five. Mm -hmm. And usually most days I'm at work between 10 and 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So five guests in 12 hours. Right. Which is unheard of for you. In yeah. terms of, yeah, because you're usually seeing way more. So that the yeah. 
just so that you can balance your energy against the energy of theirs, which is what the whole idea behind the well-being kit was designed to do for any individual was to help. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And it just, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I mean, it doesn't mean that I spend two hours on a haircut, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I mean, whether it's time in between or time to set up and clean up. I had a really bad experience the other day um, with a guest that was my fault. It wasn't their fault. I made a, a really terrible mistake. And like one of the things I gave myself permission to do was take 60 minutes to wrap up my day and just move really slowly and like mm -hmm. just let this circumstance that felt so terrible Mm -hmm. kind of walk over me and be with me and you know as hairdressers we are taking on so much energy mm -hmm. of other people mm -hmm. and and then you're doing it rapidly and it's like it's like leaving crumbs and then mm -hmm. just letting them can like pile up and pile up mm -hmm. all day and you're trying to carry it around and you really do need to give yourself space to let go or process um, or feel, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'll have clients leave and I'll need to cry mm -hmm. because of what they shared with me. Sure. And sometimes I'll cry with them, but I mean, you can't like lose control, you know, no. you can't. You're there to you be, to right. You have a job to do. You're there to be the strong person, the bounce board, the mm -hmm. board, the, 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 the confidential person they tell things yeah. to a hairdresser that they don't tell anybody else they let down their guard in a way that they don't a lot do maybe not everybody but a lot do that and a lot do. so in your um they'll get us to a, a wrap-up phase um you know and going back to what you really choose to serve your guests by and i do believe that you actually serve your life this way um, in the best way that you can um, because i know you have a lot of <clears throat> um, other people that you don't have control over in your household <laughs> um, but that um, your thoughts around that a hair service is healing that it is it can it's a very connected experience and that there is uh, when done properly when when a hairdresser when a when any service provider because you know hair is the big deal but i would say the same for someone who's an esthetician because when you're dealing with the skin it is the most exposed part as well and, and even your hands as well so i would say any part of the body I think this applies to when, when a service provider is truly serving from a space and a place of love and compassion and, you know, authenticity and intention and not serving from ego. I think the experience that takes place, that it does become such a, um, I look forward to, I can let go, I can release, I can just be in that space. I don't have to be anything else. I get to escape from what's going on and I can just allow this experience to fill my soul in whatever way that looks. 
And yes, the end result is I will feel better. I will have a new hairstyle. My skin will feel refreshed. My nails will look trim and beautiful. My body will feel reconnected again from a massage, whatever it is. And I think that um, we forget that. I think sometimes as guests, perhaps they walk in with vanity. That's all they care about. And, you know, like, let's let all the shit out of my head and do whatever I got to do or say whatever I got to say. But I think we forget what a um, somewhat it is healing, but sacred, like a sacred experience. And that's sacred in the yeah. sense like, you know, we're going to no, think that it's, it's a cherished space, you know? I think it's, it's the word is, I mean, it's sacred and I think it's vulnerable. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the challenges with it is that it can cause things to go very wrong too. Mm -hmm. Because if someone is feeling that vulnerability, I mean, in the most obvious way you could offend them, Mm -hmm. you know, just by saying something or doing something. But I think also, um, as you're designing something that so profoundly impacts their image of themselves and they're in this vulnerable space, they can make a decision or you can make a decision that maybe doesn't serve them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes you're going to, you're going to, you have to fail. If you're not, if you're not making mistakes, technically, if you're not ultimately periodically putting together a design that someone doesn't like, then you're not stretching as an artist. Right. You're not stretching as a, um, as a designer, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you have to, you have to be right at that limit where you, you know, you've got to get some, there's got to be some misses or you're not truly digging from a place of passion. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's hard. I mean, the the service that I was referring to that went so poorly a couple of weeks ago, as the wheels were coming off the bus, we're at the shampoo bowl, so she can't mm-hmm. see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she is a person that we have a very trusted relationship. And, you know, she sh- shared a lot of her personal journey and personal story, which I just find profound I mean she's just an incredibly strong person and in fact I've I've said for the two of you I think should should meet sometime um, Mm -hmm. because you just both have really strong energies and but anyway what she said to me in that moment was she was sort of expressing her gratitude that she's able to be so honest with me and as we're at the shampoo bowl and she can't see what's going on and I can see that things are not great mm-hmm. I say you know my first priority is your hair though and you know after processing that experience I think that's the thing that that is so hard there's a lot of things about this that are hard but you know finding that balance because it's really not, it's really Mm -hmm. not my first priority. You know, it, I have to, I have to juggle the two and I do need to make hair look great. But I, I I mean, again, I even saying that 
that's where the superficiality lies. So you're saying like, you know, well, people are going to walk out with great nails or great hair or, but the understanding when you walk out of my chair Mm -hmm. needs to be, you get to do this and I love giving this to you, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to. Like you come and you sit in my chair because you are divine and unique and special and gorgeous on your worst days, right? on your ugliest days. You know, I want you, I want you to still find the path to loving yourself just through your existence, not through, I don't want you to become attached to this thing I'm creating for you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, because, and then, uh, we are, we'll get ourselves wrapped up here. Um, uh, I, I had to learn that very difficultly uh, in m- many difficult ways early on as various hairdressers got a hold of my head because they served from ego versus serving from their heart and needed to kind of mark their territory on my head. You know, I've had mohawks without being told. I've had Davy Crockett hair tails without being told I've had asymmetricals because I didn't know what to do with my hair because I couldn't figure out how to cut it without being told I've had so much I've had it cut off to where it's been you know about three quarters of an inch which on my head is is horrifying because my hair is like a porcupine when it gets that short it just like springs out of my head and it was horrifying I mean I was ball I was sobbing in my car after I left the salon of this person and I was just like oh my god way to just completely deflate my sense of self and yes it's only hair and I was like whoa like and it kind of showed me certainly how attached I had been to it but also just the energy that it left me with. So then to have it completely severed to such a a horrifying length, I was just like, wow, we are going to have to really figure out, you're going to need to bring your energy to life in a different way and stop and not rely on your hair, which which crazy. Well, crazy enough. All most people generally remember being by my, no, I shouldn't say this many people will always remember me for my hair first and then me later or shortly thereafter. It's the hair, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Your hair is know, so and I think, and it's yeah, comical. I, I it's have a, it's lot comical. Of it is. I have a lot of people that are there, but you know, I think that's, that's, that's the fun. Like we, we have to be grateful that we get to do that. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. And it's okay. And also acknowledge it's okay to cry about it. Like it's okay to feel this grief and this loss. What we, what we need to understand is it doesn't, that's not like, it's you not who you there, are. Right. Yeah. You sitting there crying over your hair. That's who you are. Yeah. Not the person in the mirror with a mohawk, you know, right. I mean, right. Which is, it's hard to differentiate, but what makes me sad about that story, we could go on and on. I know we need to wrap up, but like, then you lose trust in, I mean, you lose trust in the industry at large. And that, I think it's a big reason why people have a hard time charging and why clients push hairdressers around Mm -hmm. because, you know, you said it's a sacred 
space and we have to be careful. And that doesn't mean timid. It doesn't mean you don't try to create. It's respectful. I think it's being respectful. Yes. It's about having a really, really great conversation where there's honesty and transparency and you're listening to that person so then you can build something together mm-hmm. and maybe it will still end up being a mohawk and then you wouldn't be crying because you would right. have known right. that right. you were getting right. Dave Crockett that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, uh, what a lovely chat. What a lovely conversation. Des, I am going to call you that. Cause it's, yeah, that's fine. Um, thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed discussing this topic. It, um, when you had sent it along, I knew it was going to be a, a meaningful talk because you and I have spoken about this many times in various shapes and forms. So I'm glad we got the time for it. Thank you for making the time. I know time is precious in your world as well. And um, we I look forward to having you back again for other topics perhaps in our future. And um, Without further ado, I will wish everyone to stay healthy, to experience some happiness and joy, even for a moment in your day. Uh, May you stay safe and protected, and may you be well. And that is our chat for today. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was truly a gift to be able to be a part of. So thank you. Yeah, thank you.